welcome to another edition of Practitioner Radio, Pink Elephant's podcast for the IT management community. For some of you who uh, checked out the program, um, we are recording this morning Practitioner Radio Live. Uh, Practitioner Radio has, has just celebrated a year, its first year's birthday. Um, we've, epi- we've recorded 22 episodes. This will be episode 22. 22. That's exciting. I'm not used to sitting next to you when we do this. I know, but that's exciting. Like, we're, a year, man. A year. Like, a year. Over we're, a year. We're, we're over a year. We're a year. I'm one month old. Would we be crawling at this point? <laughs> I guess we would be. So do toddlers call it a year and a month? I'm not going to call you daddy, though. Okay, no, 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 that's a whole other story. So um, for those of you who don't know, we, Troy and I get together every two weeks and we record a show where I play, um, he hates it when I say this, but I play the dumb guy. And he teaches me about some kung fu concept. And I think it's entertaining because people actually learn, like right in front, they listen to me learn. Well, yeah, the thing is, uh, you play that role well. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> But it's available on iTunes. It's available on SoundCloud. We've gotten a lot of feedback. Uh, we've got, you know, about 11,000 listeners globally. A lot of people enjoy getting a nice 30-minute uh, dose of service management. I guess this would be food for your ears. That's a good yeah, food. Food. Food for your ears. Food's always good. So, so that everyone can get back and get into the conference at a good time, we're actually going to start and make this recording a little short. So what you're about to see is the actual live recording uh, where I'm not actually hanging out and paying attention to you all, though I'm, I'm, I will. I'll look at you every now and then, especially the lady in the purple who's so lovely. Um, I'll look at you occasionally to get inspiration and feedback. And the people on that side of the room, it's obvious. You have no interest in this, but this is for you too. All right, so let's go. You ready to go? Ready to go. Let's do this. Welcome to Practitioner Radio, episode 22 for the week ending February 25th, Pink Elephants podcast for the ITSM Practitioner Radio, or as we like to call it, the fastest 30 minutes in ITSM audio. How are you doing this morning, Chris? I am barely awake, Troy, but I'm going to try to do my best. Well, I've got some coffee for you if you want. I've got water. This is good. Except you have to get a new water cup every time you go. I don't know why that is. I oh. think they're counting my cups. Maybe green hasn't got here yet. No, it's definitely not here yet. So, Troy, the other day I was talking to someone, and someone said to me, you know, I listened to your, that, little, that little show of yours, and I, I don't understand. Troy always has new stuff. Won't you ever run out of stuff? We had this conversation a year ago. No, yeah, we, you really think about it. When you think about, uh, yeah, there's only so many processes, but then you got roles, and then you got meetings, and then you got reports, and then you got organizational change and tools. I mean, there's this whole ecosystem we can talk about forever. Forever. But then I, I, I thought, you know, my mind thinks in a very odd way, and, and well, some of us know this. We can thank Pfizer. Um, and I said to myself, you know, Troy is a lot like base elements, you know, no matter what you run out of, you combine them. Combine them. You create yeah, new you base elements. So enough Troy, and you get some new base Is that elements. Service management chemistry. You would be service. You'd be the chemist. You'd be the mad scientist. The mad scientist. Yes, I like mad scientists. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about the service management office, the SMO. Uh, is there a principle there you can get sent to the office? I guess, you, you know, you've got to have consequence for your processes, right? You would hope. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be out in the hallway of the SMO. No, no. I've been there. 
Yeah. No, okay. <laughs> and then uh, and then the idea of the evolving process owner. Yeah, well, that's how, you know, the uh, SMO gets created. That you create this little vestal tail and it kind of grows into something bigger. Okay, that's a big word. I can't handle that. So uh, the concept that when we set up an org structure, we have, you know, people in, 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 in different roles, you know, all f- underneath the CIO. That's not very service-oriented. Can you give me an idea of how this gets started? Well, you know, the, you know, ITIL has talked about the process owner for a long time, and it is true. It's a, it's a critical success factor. If you don't get the process owner role right, um, A, you, you don't have much influence in design to making it practical, but B, the ongoing organization is probably kind of well, limited at best. So process owners have been named, but the actual execution of how you do that it can be done right and it can be done wrong. And what we find is the same organization who has begun this journey will change its approach to where it places process owners in the org structure over its journey. And that's what we want to talk about today is this evolving model of where the, you find process owners and how it kind of evolves into something even larger called, we're calling the service management office. Nice. So in a traditional org chart, it's very easy to see people. Is this a whole new org chart or is this like a, something you would lay on top of an org chart? I mean, obviously, if I'm, if I'm you know, under uh, our infrastructure team, I, I have very concise duties, well, but as a service management office, those duties are more than that line of business. So let's see. Let's talk about how it usually starts. So yes, it usually starts under the. the I don't like to start with the start. That's so. That's so normal. Well, you okay. know, but you always you got to start at the start. Okay, okay. Start with the Otherwise start. Otherwise, we lose the context. Okay. So most organizations, when they begin their journey, they they say, okay, where are we going to put these process owners? So what they'll do is normally they'll look around their existing org chart and they'll find people who have passion, hopefully, for this subject. Passion's important. Passion is important. Passionate people. And then they'll look at the process goal and they'll say, okay, what part of my org structure today has some affinity or interest in that process? And they'll say, okay, well, let's put the process owner for the service desk in support, right? And Well, let's put the process owner for problem management in some kind of... Well, maybe support. <laughs> or they'll put it in a back office, like an architecture type of role. Uh, maybe we'll put change management in a quality assurance type of role. They look somewhere, somehow, say, where can I put this thing? And there's some pros and there's some cons to that idea. Well, I, yeah, I would think as, I, I personally would feel uncomfortable being straddled across a couple different things, especially if I wasn't used to these concepts of, and a service management office, or the fact that I'm now a service owner, that's more work for me to do. Yeah, and, um, and the service owner is yet another conversation. The, the key here, though, is what we find is while that process owner in the org structure begins well, there are some challenges. Yes, I didn't have to hire any new people, and let's face it, in today's economy, adding headcount is a very difficult thing to uh, convince management of. Initially. Unless you shrink heads, like a voodoo scientist. You've got to make room for those heads? Okay, yeah, it's true. <laughs> so um, that's a good thing. We don't have to pay anybody more money for this. But here's the downside of it. Because usually these passionate people that you're assigning process ownership to are passionate and very productive, but they're very busy at the same time. You know, you're just adding on top of their already very, very active list of things they have to achieve. So the challenge in this case is that the, the process never gets the proper time, care, and feeding it needs to be actually effective and to be managed, let alone continual service improvement. So that's one of the downsides, right, is this it doesn't get the time of day it needs. 
Uh, the other downside is we keep talking to people about you know, processes are agnostic to structure and it really doesn't matter. Everyone should follow the same process. It's not about what tower, what silo this process is in. But yet then we put the process owner in a silo. It kind of sends this mixed message. And no matter what we say verbally, people say, well, that's, that's that department's process. Right? Yeah. So the, they don't let go of that tower silo mentality to the process ownership. So that's, that's a struggle. And this is where we begin to see a change. So because of the, the transactional volume you know, issue and because of that kind of conflict of, of messaging, what organizations begin to do is they begin to dedicate people to process owner. Okay, that's the only thing you do now. You're a process owner. Congratulations. Well, that, people, that sounds like that'd be a bad idea. A bad idea? Is it a bad idea? I don't think it's a bad idea. Now, what you can do is because... But they do more than that, don't they? Well, they can take more than one process. Oh, okay. Now, that sounds like a good idea. So you got... Because no one's saying you have to have one person, one process. Right. You just have to be careful you don't put the wrong processes together. One conflict of interest... Like, like the, the cables on a battery in a car. Yeah, that kind the of... The red to that's, that's sparks, right? Yeah. The same kind of thing happens. So what two processes process would I want to put together? Okay, so some people, from a point of view of, of a good match, will put yeah. change and release together, for example. Yeah. Those are the two I hear. Now, now, that's in principle not a bad idea, and it's actually a good combination in my mind. Yeah. Uh, another one is problem management and availability management. Now, that's not a normal combination you would normally think about. No, but you, it sounds like a good one, though. Well, because both processes are about finding systemic issues in your environment, removing them, and improving overall uptime. But often what organizations will do is combine incident and problem management. No, 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 no. That, that's a problem. <laughs> that's a, that is a problem. Not because of the, the conflict of the two goals, but because incident drags the problem people into the mud and never lets them go because they're always in firefighting mode and they never get time to look out and back. And every time they try to get you know, that 50,000 foot view, guess what happens? Suck back into the, the firefighting mode. So problem never gets the time of day. So it's not a very good combination. So when you're setting up and thinking about these service owners, be mindful of the end game for these services uh, or for the processes that they're actually going to manage, uh, I guess would be the net of what you're saying. And because you're right, I think most people would combine those two, but problem and release, now that's... Problem and release, perhaps. Because releasing a problem helps. Yeah, where the key thing is conflict of interest, but there's a second one as well, Chris. Uh-oh. Uh, the second Whenever Troy says there's a second, get there's ready. a second thing there's always to a, think about. Yeah, right. Transactional volume. <sighs> yeah. Change and config sound like wonderful mates, don't they? Again, they sound like incident and problem. Right, because Peanut change butter and jelly. should be able to control config and make sure it's accurate. And I would think, hey, that, that makes sense theoretically. But what happens is both change and config are high volume, high transaction processes. And one will usually take precedent mm. over the other. So mm. again, it's not normally a good combination, not because of conflict of interest, but because of volume. That's my, my observation anyway. No, no. I, again, I, what would make sense doesn't make sense in this uh, service owner uh, type of process. When you're setting up a, a service management office, is it best to set up the office? Do you set up a team to set up the office? Do you set up the service owners? Where, where do you start? See, I'm doing the start thing now. <laughs> so let's go back to... We've suddenly decided we're going to make these dedicated process owner roles. Right? And we thought about the end game. So that, right. They're right. going to do nothing else but own processes. We're right. going to give them a couple of processes to right. own. But someone's got to kind of manage this group. Yes. And that group's manager has to be at the same level positionally as the other major tower 
directors, VPs, whatever that is. So you have to have a senior manager over these process owners with positional authority to have enough clout in the organization to get credibility. So there's going to be this service management group for the moment. I'll call it group. Chief uh, service officer? Chief service officer. The CSO? Uh, maybe. But he's got, or she's got, all these process owners, maybe a half a dozen or so at max, under them. So that's what we call the service management group. But there's an evolution beyond that. So what happens is, first of all, it's all process ownership. But then I said, well, you know, there's this business process engineering group over here, this BPI group. Well, there's a, there's a, there's a dashboard and metrics group over there. Mm. Communications training mm. group over there. Mm. These things all have some affinity. Mm. And so you, you begin to see is this, what began as a process owner group begins to collect all these serv- service and process excellence type of functions. And you get this, what we're now kind of finding, people calling the service management office, the SMO 2.0. Yeah. Right? And we're seeing it happen. And many of our customers here, I know Kathy Kirch from Allstate speaking, and she uh, leads one of these process uh, service, this process uh, offices, service management office. But it's not just about process at that point. Now they become the internal excellence group for managing and Pushing service management improvements becomes the CSI, CSI office. I was just going to say that. It, it sounds like it becomes, the, you know, the continual, this is the panacea CSI of consent, continual service improvement. Right. Now, I always wondered where that guy was. Now, the process so owners, He's been here the whole time. He's in that group. He's in that group. The well, process, that group is that. <laughs> the, the process owners, they find themselves in this group eventually. But the service owners, the technical service owners, they don't. They stay out in the technology domains. So the desktop service owner is out probably in infrastructure. Uh, the SAP service owner is in the app dev side if they haven't been consolidated in the shared applications groups. And this is a really evolved way of thinking because you know normally I would just have my individual little process owners and that was it. But in this case, you know, we're looking at service owners. Yes, service owners. So it's, a, it's a completely different than process owners. All right. Because the service owners, there's, there's three Lots types. Of, yeah, could have, yeah. There's three types of services, right? There's the business services, which are direct consumed services by the business customer. There's the indirect technical but what services. About, but, but people are just getting their heads around having process owners. How can we possibly introduce this? Is there, is there, is there a version of the service management office light? I don't like to move well, a lot, as you, you know, can tell. So is there something the, the I can light, do that requires no version, effort? The light version is only about process. Okay. That is true. That's, right. that's that, that process Okay, so the light group. version is what we're used to. That's that, that partway evolved service management office where it began just as a bunch of process owners being pulled together under a, a manager. Yeah. But then it grew into that thing called the service management office, which has a broader scale. That's like a pink conference from 97. You're right. And now we have like 15 tracks. Yep. You know, that's, and back then it was all about ITIL. Now it's about Lean and Six Sigma and project management and COBIT. Because, yeah, this, the ecosystem grows because it's all connected. That's true. I like that analogy. Uh, they don't pay me to be pretty. <laughs> yes, not. So, no, no. <laughs> I couldn't help that one, Chris. <laughs> I did walk right into that one. <laughs> Getting someone strategically in the position to be the chief service officer, you know, I that would, made that up. You need chief executive buy-in from this. So you also need a pretty mature executive organization, I would assume. You need one who is focused on managing outcomes. So they, they get the idea that optimizing technology by domain is not the end goal, that they have to get better customer satisfaction, 
that they have to start managing outcomes. They've bought into service management as a principle, and they need a group of very smart and skilled people internally to champion the service management initiative in their organization and manage the organizational change challenges that it always brings. They need an internal service excellence group. And this is this SMO we're talking about. It's a great career because you know it's never going to be finished. But you've got, you got to keep value being very, very real because it's also potentially one of those things when times get tough, people will say, huh, what can I do without? Oh, you have that's to show bad, value. That's bad, that's bad. But so, you know, that whole, you have to get into measurement and be able to provide very well, what good about CSI that? I mean, input. Uh, what types of uh, measurements and metrics? Because people sometimes love that stuff. Okay. So, you know, out of ITIL, we talk about three metrics. Yep. Right? There's technical metrics, process metrics, service metrics. Well, the technical metrics come from the technical departments, as they always have. The process metrics, each process has got to have its KPIs. Those KPIs are going to be rolled up to an overall service management dashboard. So here's my incident, problem, change, availability, continuity. It's either green, yellow, red. What are the gaps? What are my uh, plans for mitigating those gaps? That's the process metrics and process management dashboard. But then, because they're service-focused, not just process-focused, they also now have a service dashboard. So here are the services, and this is the number of transactions we have been able to manage in that service this month. So many checks have been cut, so many transactions processed, and we have you know, the typical availability chart we've always seen by application. Now that's a service availability chart. And so they're also now, because they've inherited that analytics group, uh, that dashboard group, also now responsible for business service metrics. So they're doing the service metrics and the process metrics. And that's incredibly valuable information to senior leadership. And so that's, that's high value that they can be as, as a benefit. You know, three years from now, people will say, you know, I heard about that at the conference and we're doing that now. It, it evolves because it's, it comes out of logic. Well, yeah, because I would have never considered it. I would have said, I got my process owners, I'm done. Yeah. And, but then people always say, you know, and then I always say, well, where's the continual service in that? I mean, they're, they're too busy about keeping, you know, their job and making things look good. But uh, I would think a, a service owner would be more agnostic. Well, the, I would hope. The, the service owner is, remember, still in the technical group, but this group is working with a service owner. Right. Because a service owner is accountable for CSI on their service, right? Right. So if they can help get the data the service owner needs, that service owner can then make a business case for the portfolio decision mm. for upgrades or improvements or retirement of the service that they have. They, that service owner needs that data to get that valued uh, input into portfolio. Otherwise, it's always just net new being added right. and nothing being fixed or retired. Yeah, we don't hear enough about retirement. We no. should have a whole track on you need to retire more. Well, that's the next episode. We're going to talk about that. Are we? The, the three Would inputs that be to portfolio. All right. I know it sounds boring, but it's actually kind no, of No, no, no. I'm all into retirement. Trust me. I, I feel yeah. like I finished like three years ago. How do we retire legacy systems? That's our next topic on the next episode. Yeah, yeah. Last episode, we did culture and we almost... Got drummed out of iTunes for that. <laughs> so, uh, How do you get drummed out of iTunes? <laughs> I, 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 if if we, you could do it, we would do it. Um, <laughs> some of my cheeky jokes. So uh, people, uh, we want to get make sure people have a chance to get good seats. Now, if you're a Platinum Pink member, Platinum Conference member, you're going to get a really good seat at the conference, right? You're, you're guaranteed a good seat if you're, you're Platinum. But if you're not Platinum, well, we've got to get them out of here. So we, we've got to get this kind of wrapped up here toward, toward the end. In closing, as far as the service management office is concerned, once you've, you've uh, collected your, 
you know, trilogy of the rings, you've got your hobbit, you've got your, you've got your elf, and you've got all these other people, and you've got someone leading them, hopefully, like you said, high on the org chart. Yeah, got to be high enough to the food chain to make, different, make a difference politically. Right. How often, you know, and I know this is very subjective depending on the organization, but how often do these people get together and actually compare notes and, and, and look at, you know, what are you guys doing? What are we doing? What can we, I mean, what, what's a good target for those people who are actually at the point where they're thinking about creating this office and having these people meet? Well, you see, initially it starts with unintentionally. It's just, yes. I got to do something better for process well, ownership, it, it right? just it, it, It's inertia. It evolves into the service management office. So often many things start with just something needs to be fixed, but then it can turn into strategy. Strategy. Right. So what I'm asking you to think about, I, I imagine that many people listening to this show already have begun this journey, but without intent. Take the journey you have begun and think about where it can go and what it can do as SMO 2.0. Right, because I always, you know, especially I always go, well, what would my service management look like in 2015? And then I paint this, you know, fabulously futuristic picture, usually with transporters and replicators and all that cool stuff. I'd and like then the, I, I'd like the transport. Yeah, and then I work backward. So then what would it look like in 2014? What would it look like in 2013? And then what does it look like today, you know, Somewhere the end of the year? Over the rainbow. You're such a, you're a, you're a crooner. You are a crooner, Pinky. I've never seen Crooner Pinky and you in the same room at the same time. Hey, it's a secret. Okay. So uh, for those of you who've never heard the show on iTunes, you can check it out. Uh, you, you can just Google Practitioner Radio. It is literally the fastest 30 minutes, but we're going to be a little quicker today. Every show ends with something unique. And, and the history of this has never actually been explained. So I'll take time to uh, explain where this came from. So the first episode, January 24, 2011, Troy and I, 22 episodes ago, we're recording... I wanted a neat way to end the uh, the show, and I thought, hmm, I need I need to get something flashy, and and I love anything that has like like triple letters or just something that feels. And and I'm sitting there, and I'm like on the spot, and we're recording. And I thought I got to do something, and I created what's been known since then as Troy's Thunderbolt Tip of the Day. <laughs> and normally, there's a great lightning bolt sound when you hear this when you hear this back on the radio because we have a great engineer Ross who mixes this but what you're about to hear I don't want you to get afraid but it's how I end the show so it might be a little disconcerting to some of you so I'm just warning because we've got a live audience you're being very kind today I'm being very kind it's a misconception about me um, I even showered so uh, ladies and gentlemen without any further ado I bring you Troy's Thunderbolt Tip of the Day okay remember Chris most organizations will find they will eventually have to dedicate resources to process owners. The temporary, I'm going to do process owner and everything else, doesn't last very long. Brilliant. Troy, we will see you in two weeks. Two Thank weeks. You, two weeks. Thank you so much for uh, Practitioner Radio Live here at Pink 12. And hopefully we can do Practitioner, we'll be two years old two at years. Pink 13. Thanks so much. And thank you for those folks who are here listening today. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. 